This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Ozil is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott. What a goal. It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal from the Gunners. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for Monday the 22nd of August. I'm Russell Hargreaves. Coming up over the next few minutes, we're going to be hearing from the Arsenal and France international striker Olivier Giroud in our exclusive interview. Michael McMullen, Irish broadcaster of great renown, is our Arsenal insider. And as ever, we're back to the chalkboard with our own Adrian Clark as we build up to the big showdown against Watford this coming weekend. As ever, though, we kick off with the weekend review. Of course, the teams that finished first and second in the Premier League last season went head-to-head, both looking for their first wins of the new season. That was as Arsenal made the trip to Leicester City. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain coming closest to opening the scoring. Here is Bairdin on the halfway line, looking to come forward. Infield for Xhaka. Xhaka immediately on for Nacho Monreal. Now it's with Oxlade-Chamberlain over on the left-hand side. Oxlade-Chamberlain coming forward. Angle of the box, two Leicester players to beat. He's still Oxlade-Chamberlain, still going. Just get the shot away, just wide. Decent effort from the Ox. The little Spanish magician Santi Cazorla was recalled to Arsene Wenger's starting 11 and he forced Kasper Schmeichel into action next. In it comes the free kick left-hand side. Good delivery, might just pop in here. It's Kasper Schmeichel that will turn it away. Well, similar, I guess, to Ross Barkley's goal for Everton against Tottenham last weekend. That nearly bounced in without a touch from another player, I think. So Arsenal coming oh so close on several occasions, but it was Leicester that almost nicked it in the second period, with Peter Cech saving brilliantly from Riyad Mahrez. This is Mahrez, he's got Vardy with him, it's still Mahrez, edge of the penalty area, still Riyad Mahrez, one step over, goes for glory, great stop, my fault for Musa. looks to knock it back for Ajoa, wrong decision, Arsenal clear, what a let-off for the Gunners. On the balance of play, a draw was probably a fair result and Theo Walcott was quick to draw on the positives when speaking post-match. You know, yeah, positives tonight. Um, clean sheet uh, is always handy. Um, you know, obviously we would like to finish finish off teams, but like I say, it was a, it was a difficult game. Um, Leicester, they know how to defend very well. They like to put, you know, pretty much the whole team behind the ball and uh, it's difficult to break them down. But we had chances, but, um, you know, sadly we failed to do that. But like I say, we need to just obviously take the positives out of this and there's plenty of it. In addition to Theo there, Arsene Wenger also faced the media and the boss full of praise for summer signing Rob Holding. 
I believe uh, he had an outstanding performance uh, for a young boy who has never played in the Premier League. I played against top strikers today. And uh, uh, so I can only reiterate, I'm happy to speak about him because it's good for English football that a young boy gets a chance in a big club in England uh, and uh, shows that he's a quality, will be a quality player. Yeah, Rob Holding looking like a very promising signing at the back from Bolton over the course of the summer. Now, Nigel Winterburn, the Gunners' great, was in the Matchday Show studio. Here are his thoughts on that draw against the Foxes. I just think uh, both ends of the pitch, attacking-wise, uh, just that final pass, um, both teams defended well uh, as well. Uh, it just didn't click for both teams going going forward, which, uh, you know, and it, it was really weird in the second half because the game sp spread out but there seemed to be less chances apart from the last, mate, what, 10 minutes yeah. when both teams went for it a little bit. It was wide open. But it, there again, it still wasn't uh, any real clear-cut chances. One key man watching from the bench for that game, Olivier Giroud, should be fit enough to play a big part in the Gunners' next game against Watford. And we'll speak to Olivier next. As promised, here is the Arsenal and French international striker Olivier Giroud talking about his experiences at the European Championships on home soil. Olivier talking to Arsenal media's Carl Finocchiaro. Olivier, welcome back to work, mate. Um, looking back at the Euros, do you think the tournament and France's performance had a bit of a healing effect on the country, considering all the drama that has been uh, going on there? Uh, yes, yes, definitely, because um, um, people in the world, especially... Um, I mean, uh, and in France, uh, suffering um, from the economic uh, situation of the country and the social, uh, um, the social as well um, conjuncture. You understand? Conjecture. Con yeah. Yeah, conjecture. And uh, yeah, that's why we wanted, we really wanted to do a good tournament to, um, yeah, give them pleasure and. Uh, of the smile, uh, to see the, the smile back. So, um, yeah, I think yeah, they left, they, they leave uh, a very good um, Euros during one month and a half. Uh, a lot of people told me that um, it was an amazing tournament uh, when I was in holidays and a lot of person congrats uh, us, congrats myself and say uh, bravo and uh, uh, thank you. So yeah, I've been touched by uh, this um, this world, and um, yeah, yeah, we are very proud of what we achieved uh, during this Euro. But even if we will still have, uh, uh, as I said, uh, like a little scar tissue in a in a heart because we didn't win it. But yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing moment for me. It didn't quite end how you wanted, but it pretty much started perfectly for you. Um, you're walking out in France, national anthem, tournament on home soil, and you score the opening goal. Um, what, what is that like? Take us inside your mind, because you must have been going crazy. Uh, yeah, it was like, uh, like a dream, you know, uh, when you're uh, young and when you want to play football. The first thing is um, you want to um, to wear this blue shirt and uh, to represent uh, as much as you can the, the country. So when you have the, the opportunity to um, to give pleasure to more than 64, 65 million people, 
uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's basically an honor for me and for the team. So we were aware about that and we tried to, to give our best. And yeah, the, the different memories I have from these Euros uh, will be in, in my head um, until, uh, until the end of my life. And yeah, uh, I have so, so many uh, pictures in my head, but uh, this first goal year was uh, an amazing moment for me. A lot of goosebumps when I score. And um, after, yeah, there is um, uh, the game against Iceland. Uh, we took it from uh, the front foot and um, we did very well. We won 5 uh, 2 and I scored a brace. So, yeah, I was very, very pleased to, to, to have a great tournament like that. I spent my tournament sitting on the couch and that continues with the Olympics. Are you on your couch watching the Olympics and uh, mate, are you enjoying watching it? Do you watch the Olympics? And is there sports in particular you're really good um, to? Yeah, I have my friends, uh, Nikola Karabatic, who plays um, uh, handball for the national team. Uh, they are um, in a semi-final now. So, yeah, they are, they are doing very well. Um, I've seen that um, uh, cycles uh, on piste, we didn't do so well, but you, British, are very good. Hey, I'm Australian. They're, everyone else is British. We're doing bad. I've got to, I've got to watch the English win constantly as well, don't worry. I'm uh, still watching the uh, athletes and um, I've seen um, our defeat um, uh, on basketball against Spain. But Spain is a very good uh, team. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm watching a little bit the football, but uh, football for Olympic Games is, uh, is a little bit a little bit, um, a bit, I mean, okay, for the players who play, it's, uh, it's huge, but uh, for us, uh, European, uh, uh, Euroscope uh, counts more. Yeah, mate, is there a little bit of you that watches the, the medal presentations and just thinks, oh, man, I'd love to be out there running against Usain Bolt or doing stuff like that? Do you, do you get that in your head when you watch it? I just forgot Teddy Rina. Um, the, the judo. He's the man, yeah. judo. From judo is uh, amazing. He's he a big guy. He didn't lose uh, one uh, one match since uh, six years, I think, and he's eight-time uh, world champion, two times Olympic champion. So, yeah, he's a man. Um, <clears throat> yeah, obviously, uh, I would love to uh, yeah to get a medal uh, like uh, maybe a, a gold one, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'm. I got one uh, in the final <laughs> the Euroscope, but I take it off straight away because, yeah, it was um, it was a, a tough moment. But yeah, obviously, when you can um, sing the Marseillaise uh, on the podium, you know, uh, yeah, it, it might be amazing. Maybe two, three times when you score a goal uh, in the Euroscope, so they can be proud of them. They represent as much as they can. Uh, well, the, um, the country and yeah, I think every every single French Frenchie is um, proud of um, them. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll be lifting a Premier League medal at the end of the season. Thanks for your time, mate. Thank you. Mate. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, you can hit him. Oh, it's up for grabs now. Thomas, right at the end. 
On the 27th of August 1997, Dennis Bergkamp scored the greatest hat-trick in Premier League history against Leicester at Filbert Street. Arsenal's corner. Bergkamp! Well, there aren't many players in the game who can do this and make it look so ridiculously simple. Leicester paying the price for neglecting Bergkamp on the edge of the area. A pinpoint shot, 1-0 to Arsenal. Vieira. And there's a break on here with Parler playing a prominent part. Vieira supporting. Bergkamp, it's opened up for him. Off the goalkeeper and in. Well, Leicester were caught, overcommitted, and Bergkamp, the only possible saviour, was Casey Keller, and he couldn't keep it out of his net. Vieira. Well, both sets of supporters not knowing quite what to feel. Still life in the game, according to the referee, and Bergkamp, certainly life in him! A truly high-class hat-trick from Dennis Bergkamp. The first touch was magnificent, more to come, and again unerring in front of goal. Some scintillating goals there from the great flying Dutchman. Here are Dennis's own memories of that very, very special match. That game against Leicester was a special one. Yeah, why? When, 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 when I look back, when I think about it, it's, it's a typical English game, you know, with the crowd close on the pitch. Uh, um, at that time, I really started to feel really comfortable in the team. I, I felt that physically that you could make a difference every game. Um, you could outrun players, you could just be much better than, uh, than other players. So I had the confidence to do well and yeah, just took chances, what, in my, which I always did in my, in my career. Three goals, hat-trick. I was very pleased, but we didn't win the game. So it was always a, 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 a yeah, mixed emotions, I think. Of course, Bergkamp went on to become an invincible and retired from the game, having played 423 games for Arsenal, scoring 120 goals in the process. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, our Arsenal insider on the podcast this week is a man whose dulcet tones have been heard across the Emerald Isle for many years as the host of Premier League Live, Ireland's premier radio Saturday afternoon football show and, of course, now starring on Irish television as well. Michael McMullen is back with us. Uh, Michael, how's it going? Good, thanks, Ross. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thank you, my friend. And we'll just start with what we've just been listening to, which is that incredible Dennis Bergkamp hat-trick, what, 1997, so the best part of 20 years ago, 19 mm -hmm. years ago, almost to the day. Yeah, it, it was, I remember it so clearly. Um, you know, and, and the really frustrating thing about it, of course, was despite Bergkamp's amazing display, we didn't even win the match because it finished in, in a 3-0 draw. And that was actually very similar to a lot of the first half of that season because I felt we were sort of starting to play quite well. That team was coming together. Bergkamp was in his third season at the time and Vieira was in his second season. Overmars had just arrived. And the fact that we didn't win that match, I think, in a sense, summed up a lot of the early part of that season because although we were making progress, it wasn't quite reflected in our results in the league table. As we know, of course, towards the end of that season, everything started to click. 
we went on that amazing run at the end of it. And, you know, a league title that we looked to be out of contention for, we ended up winning with two matches to spare. But, uh, I mean, that was Bergkamp's greatest season, wasn't it? I don't think any doubt about that. And, uh, you know, the combination of him and Overmars, you know, the two Dutch stars, it really was the start of a wonderful time for Arsenal. And uh, I just I can't believe when you say they're 19 years ago. It just seems incredible to think it's, it's, that, it's that long ago. And I seem to remember one of the goals is actually very reminiscent of the goal with which Bergkamp effectively finished this season, scoring a very similar one uh, for the Dutch in, in the World Cup as, as they went on to the semi-finals. So great memories of a great time. So that was the formative period of that Arsenal squad, Michael, that, as you say, then peaked and excelled quite brilliantly not too long after. I fast forward on to this season and the current era. Do you see any signs of a similar ilk or are you a little concerned at the moment that this squad needs strengthening and needs realigning just a little to, to maybe ever fulfil that kind of potential? Well, it's funny again. I mean, I, I don't think you really could compare the current squad to the squad back then uh, that we had in 97, 98. But it's been frustrating again because we haven't won either of the first two matches. One point out of six. I don't feel that, you know, that we played that badly. I think against Liverpool on you know, most days we would have won that game because we played pretty well, I thought, in the first half. Liverpool then just had the most amazing spell. Then I thought after the 4-1, we actually played pretty well after that and came back into the game well. And then against Leicester at the weekend, I thought we were definitely the better side. But again, just couldn't make it count, didn't really create that many chances. I thought uh, when the changes were made uh, late in the game, particularly when Ozil came on, that we looked a significantly better side. So I definitely think there'll, you know, there'll be a lot of improvement. Uh, but of course, you know, it's already getting to the stage where we're falling into a bit of a deficit, five points behind now. And suddenly now you're going into the Watford match the side that knocked us out of the FA Cup last season, don't forget, under a fair amount of pressure because, you know, given that you've got City, United and Chelsea and Hull all on six points, chances are you think at least one of them is going to be on nine points, if not more than one of them, come the end of the weekend. If we don't win this game, we're looking at being seven, maybe eight points off the lead, and it's still only August, which is quite a frustrating thing. In terms of the whole strengthening thing, I think the way Vanger has been treated uh, by certain sections of the crowd in the early weeks of the season has been absolutely ridiculous. This is a side that finished second last season, don't forget, so he must be doing something right. And yes, it was a great chance to win the title, but still finished above United, above Chelsea, above City, above Liverpool, above Tottenham. Still finished ahead of all of those teams. So there's clearly not that much wrong. With his... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Improvement policy. You would like to see another couple of extra bodies come in. But uh, but as, as Austin always says, they have to be the right players. And hopefully something will happen uh, over the remaining days of the transfer window. But frustrating start to the season on the field. Uh, there's no denying that. Just on those signings quickly, Michael, obviously Scott Mustafi has been very heavily linked as, mm. as a new player at the back, whether it's him or another experienced quality centre-half, I presume there, and, and maybe more of a, another potential out-and-out target man to, to, to supplement the ranks there. Would they be the two areas that you would say? Oh, yeah, I don't have any doubt about that. I think uh, absolutely you've, you've called it right there. I, I think hopefully Mustafi's going to happen in the next few days. I think it'd be a very good signing. I think as Wenger said, Rob Holding, I thought, was starting to acquit himself quite well um, in, in the weekend match. But, you know, you mentioned in your description there about, you know, experienced centre-halves. And yes, I mean, there's no denying Holding is lacking in a certain amount of experience. So it would be fantastic to see that coming in. We definitely have that need. In terms of up front, I mean, the, the problem is there are so few players out there who, you know, fulfil, I think, the requirements of what Arsenal are hoping for. Uh, up front and you know players like that are so precious now the players who have the clubs who have them are going to be desperate to hold on to them um, so you know it, it is it is frustrating but you know there's just a lack of available talent out there at the moment and I mean even the centre back position as well is a difficult one so if Mustafi did come in I think uh, Fenger would have done pretty well and I, I was really disappointed to see I think there was one banner that said enough is enough time to go at the end of the uh, the Leicester match. Well, you know, enough of what? I mean, enough of being up there as one of the top clubs every season. Yes, we've not won the title in some time, but, you know, it's a lot harder than I think people realise. And, you know, the fact that when we got ourselves into that position of being the top side back in the early to mid-2000s, suddenly then had all these other sides who had vast amounts of money to spend, and that changed the whole game. So I'm very disappointed, but unfortunately not greatly surprised to see some of the stuff that's been said about Wenger in the early weeks of the season. But uh, at the same time, I think, you know, you would like to see the squad being strengthened just a bit. But same old problem, isn't it? We're only into the season. We've already got a pileup of injuries again. And, you know, that more than anything else is something that, you know, you would like to address. The only question is, how do you do it? Is it just a coincidence we keep getting these injury pileups? I'm sure Arsene has looked into it in a more scientific way. But if he has, Russ, he hasn't come up with an answer to it yet. So we look, if we can, Michael, at that midfield area, funnily enough, which is one that, that, that has been a problem for, clearly... Obviously, we've seen Granit Xhaka come in and, and it'll take him a little while probably to get fully up to speed and find his feet in an Arsenal shirt and in the Premier League with its style and pace of play. But if you were to look at how you would handle your, your two potentially in central midfield and the, the, the attacking mobile three in front behind the front man, um, how would you play it with what Arsenal and Arsenal has got his, at his disposal at the moment? It's very difficult because I think what you're seeing, I think we've almost got too many good midfielders now. You know, I mean, you look at El Elneny who came in last season. I thought he was really good, but you know, now you've got Jacker coming in there, so there's more competition for places. Um, 
you know, you've got Ramsey to come back in. You've got players, you know, it's, it's not as if you've got defensive and midfield, uh, sorry, defensive and more attacking midfield players at Arsenal, you know, across the board. It seems, you know, there's some players who can play in both of those roles. Ramsey think, and Cthola, because I love absolutely. when Sandy plays deep, they're two very clear examples, and possibly even Wilshire, actually. Yeah, but I mean, Wilshire, I mean, how can you plan anything around Wilshire? Because it isn't the criticism of him, he just keeps on getting injured. I definitely want to see more from Cazorla this season. I know last season was obviously just ruined for him by injury. But him returning to his sort of pre-injury form will be a key factor this season. One thing I would say is, I was really surprised Ozil didn't start the game at the weekend. Because I thought when he came on, I thought he did really well. So I think Ozil needs to be in there all the time. I'd like to see uh, Ramsey uh, in there, in, in the midfield as well. Um, you know, on the, getting back to the sort of form he was in maybe three seasons ago. And, you know, it's a bit surprising, I thought, bringing in Xhaka for all that money and then not starting him in the first game of the season. So let's give him a run as well. I think, if anything, that is the difficulty for Wenger, is that he has so many quality midfield options. Um, and it's just a matter of juggling them. But I think most of the season, if past seasons are anything to go by, the problem will be solved for him because normally he'll go into most matches with about three or four of those midfielders out injured. Mm. OK. Well, Michael, let's finish with a few quick-fire questions, as we like to do on this, uh, our second season of the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. So, number one, over or under Theo Walcott to score 18 goals in all competitions this season? I'd love to say over, but I think I have to say under. Watford away, which we'll talk about in a moment, on the chalkboard with Adrian Clark in more detail, but your score prediction, please. I think we will win 2-1. That's exactly what I was going to say. Scary. Mm. All right, which fringe player is going to properly break through this season? I guess kind of a Wobie style like last season. Yeah, well, I was going to say a Wobie, but I suppose he's beyond the, the, he the, the, the kind of the, the fringe him. stage. Um, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say holding because, you know, I think he's a young player of potential. So I'm going to go for him. Worryingly, again, I don't disagree. Uh, who's impressed you most in Arsenal's opening couple of games? And I appreciate your point on holding, and I agree, having seen the Liverpool game and having commentated pre-season as well, where he came in and looked good. So I think we like the look of him as one for the future. What about from the very nucleus of the first-team squad? Who do you think has started the season well? Well, Koscielny played well at the weekend, you know, which made it more frustrating that he hadn't been in. So uh, I'd say him, but uh, like I keep saying, I think Ozil played, uh, looked sharp when he came on at the weekend too. Koscielny, it's an interesting shout. And we talked about Mustafi, but as I let you go, if you could make one signing, and I guess a realistic oh. signing, who yeah. would it be between now and the end of August? Well, one realistic signing. Um, I was hoping it was going to be Ashley Williams, actually, but that's, you know, that's someone I've been hoping for years, but that's obviously not going to happen now because he's gone elsewhere. Um, one realistic signing... I don't know. I suppose, I mean, it's, well, the Mares thing is gone as well, I guess. So I'll, I'll say Mustafi because I think he's you know, a good, reasonably experienced player. And I think that's what we need in central defence. So I'll, I'll say Mustafi and, you know, I, I might as well for once in my life make a wish that might actually happen to, uh, to come true. <laughs> <laughs> I see Lacazette's been banging in the goals at the start of the league season, yeah. but that one's not looking, again, particularly... No, it'd be fantastic. Either. But they just seem so determined to hold on to him in France. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't see that uh, don't see that happening. But I have a lot of faith in Giroud. You know, I think he had a reasonably good season last season. He was good at the Euros. Just like to see him score more goals in the key matches against the big teams. And if he does that, then I don't think we need to get a new striker in. 
the host of Premier yeah. League Live on Ireland for many a year and, of course, now part of the TV3 network and beyond. That is Michael McMullen, our Arsenal insider, joining us from the Emerald Isle. Uh, Michael, appreciate your time here on the show, my friend. Anytime, Ross. All the best. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, this week's question on the chalkboard, which formation would best suit the attributes of Arsenal's current first-team squad? Tricky question, and one that we're going to put to our resident expert and chief tactician, Adrian Clark, who's back, of course, for his chalkboard slot. Clarky, how are oh, you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, we, we got, we're off the mark, aren't we, Arsenal? Uh, we'd, we'd like three points against Leicester, but, um, but yeah, we're off and running. Exactly. So, that question then, what do you think is the best formation this to get the best so out of what's available for us? So, so, what are we talking as of, as of today, with Aaron Ramsey injured? Um, let, let's... let's do that, yeah, shall we? Yeah. Um, Let's it, talk about it with the Watford game in mind. Yeah, look, first things first, I don't think, don't believe Arsene Wenger will change the system radically. He, he's played around with 4-1-4-1 or 4-2-3-1 and I think that that is a system, or those two systems are, are the favourites. I yeah. don't imagine anything radical to change. An alternative that I would propose would be a diamond, a diamond midfield or... A four three two one. So you could go four one two one two, which okay. is which is so a four. Quite narrow. So it's a four, yeah, it's a four four two diamond. But with our fullbacks naturally flying forward, providing the width, um, that is something we could do, and it would make us exceptionally strong down the middle. Now, personnel wise, who would you be looking at? You'd be looking probably, I would say, at Francis Coquelin still to be sitting in the, in the heart of the midfield. Um, this is I'm talking with the fit players available. And at the moment, potentially Granite Xhaka and Santi Cazorla either side. So that's a midfield three with Ozil in front. Yep. And then you've got a roaming, a roaming forward in Alexis, who would, who would, who would uh, go here, there, and everywhere to the left, to the right, and Olivier Giroud up top. Now the width comes from the fullbacks. It comes from Alexis moving to the channels, and also Mesut Ozil. You got to remember when he very rarely touches the ball in the centre of the pitch. He often just floats to the flanks where he, he can wreak havoc. So, so that is a, a potential system. You could tweak it by going four at the back, three in midfield, a flat three. You can maybe take out Coquelin and go with Xhaka, Jack Wilshire, and uh, Santi Cazorla or Aaron yep. Ramsey as a, as, a, as a dynamic midfield three with Ozil and Sanchez, the two, behind Olivier Giroud. So those two have got a slightly freer role to, to just peel off and, and go wide when they want, but they're not starting out wide in those positions. So they're the alternatives for me, and, and I think that they are worth looking at, to be perfectly honest. Um, but the manager is stuck with the current system for so long that you don't expect a radical change. Without getting too geeky and technical, mm. we've seen, haven't we, one or two of the new infusion of managers in the Premier League this season, Adrian, sometimes be very mobile and fluid, where one of the defensive midfielders, once the fullbacks have, have bombed on, mm. actually slots back into what becomes a back three yeah. just for a few minutes or moments mm. of the game and then seamlessly trans transitions back again. Yeah. Is, is that an option? We're seeing that at Manchester City and I think that other teams will, will emulate that for sure. It's who is the right guy to do that for Arsenal. Um, I think it could be Granite Xhaka actually yeah. because yeah. it's somebody that's got good long-range passing. So you're going to drop in between the centre-halves, pick the ball up deep and prompt from those positions with the full-backs flying forward. And who's a physical presence? 
presence and as well. And he's physically strong, yeah. We just don't... I haven't seen enough of Granit Xhaka yet to know whether he's mobile enough to be a sole holding midfield player. I think he's got the physicality. I think he's got the, the passing range. Has he got the mobility that Coquelin has got or Elneny has got to shift across around the pitch to help break up play? I think that's the question mark on him at the moment. So I would fit him in as part of a three if we're talking about changes systems. OK, well, that's a, a little intriguing way to begin our look ahead to the match against the Hornets. So, a resolute defence, increasingly so, is going to be a strength, isn't mm. it? What do you see across the board in terms of their, their strongest areas and also what their threats are? Yeah, well, well, well their, their threats, I think, are clear in terms of Dini and Agallo, the, the main goal scorers. They haven't, obviously, started the season brilliantly. Etienne Capoue is looking lively. Um, Two goals? Yeah. Hadn't scored all last season. <laughs> Amazing. Well, he's a powerful player. And if he, if he uses that frame of his and that, that athleticism to good effect, he can score goals. Um, I would say that Watford's greatest strength in this game is their new system. Um, and that, that could also be a weakness. I say it's a strength because it's something Arsenal don't encounter every week, three at the back. So, and with Arsenal playing a lone striker, that, that concerns me a little bit because I don't want Olivier Giroud swallowed up by three centre-halves. So it's vital that Arsenal's attacking midfield players join in and, and, the, and the wide men come and make up a front three that occupy the Watford back three. If it turns into that kind of game, I think it would be OK. But, but with the wing-backs... It, that, that is something different for Arsenal to face and it could provide unusual headaches for them. Yeah, I covered their first game actually against Southampton a couple of weekends ago, Clark, and obviously having got ahead with a Capu yeah. real net buster, which was great. I must admit, I didn't feel they offered a huge amount in the rest of that game and no. Southampton could easily and, and probably should have won yeah. it. And I think if you take the game to them and boss them and put them on the back foot, I don't know if they have that much to then wrestle back the initiative. I, I agree, I agree. I very much think this is a game that Arsenal need to be on the front foot for. Um, the wing-backs were um, very attack-minded at the weekend against Chelsea. They took the initiative and pinned Chelsea back and nullified them in the wide areas. And they will try and do that to Arsenal. So that is a key area to watch out for. You've got uh, Amrabat and Holobas uh, on the right and left. And they'll be lively. The job for Arsenal is to make sure that they're playing inside their own half. In a sentence, Adrian Clark, how do you beat Watford? I think you beat Watford by stretching those three centre-halves. They, they all want to play down the middle, so we want to be getting balls. We want to be turning Watford and getting the ball into the channels, in behind those wing-backs I was talking about. Get into those areas, drag the centre-backs out of their comfort zone. We can and should wreak havoc. And I expect us to gain our first three points of the season in this, in this match. Ah, the door opens. In comes the producer of the Arsenal Weekly podcast, Liam Roberts. Liam, hello. Yes, today I have all the answers for you. I know you've been waiting all week for uh, last week's results and to be set this week's prediction. Yes. So last week I asked you who would be the first Arsenal player to touch the ball in Leicester game. So, just remind us who you guys went for. I said that Arsenal would have the kickoff and that it would be a recalled Santi Cazorla, which, given the fact he didn't actually do it, isn't ideal. But there you go. Yeah, um, I picked uh, Hector Bayer in because I thought Leicester would have the kickoff and they'd hoof the ball his way. Um, but I'm pretty sure, thinking back to the game, that neither of those things happened. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> we're good at this, Clarkie. <laughs> yeah, so neither of you got it right. I've got a feeling I'm going to be saying that a lot this season. Um, <laughs> Arsenal did get the kickoff. Alexis played it back to Greta Xhaka. He launched the ball forward. 
One minute, 35 seconds in. <laughs> Rob Holden took the ball. He played out to the right, Hector <gasps> Bellerin. Oh! Hector Bellerin took the ball. One yeah. point, Adrian Clark. Yeah, one nil. One nil to the Arsenal. How yeah. long did it take for Santi to then touch the ball? <laughs> don't know. I actually, I actually paused the game after that. And, uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're not going to get any points. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, one nil is one nil. Are there bonus points if you actually nail it? Uh, we yes, need to get three, the rules three straight. Points, three okay. points if you get it correct. Okay. One point for the closest. Fine, so, fine. this week, Watford away. We're going to go a little bit easier. So, we're going to go total corners in the game. Corners. So I think Adrian you went, went first yeah, last yeah, week, yeah, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. Okay, so one nil down, backs against the wall here. <laughs> I'm going to try and uh, wrestle back some form of initiative. I am going to say a grand total of eleven corners. I think that's a shrewd choice um, from the boy Hargreaves. I'm going to say that um, there'll be a couple more than that. I'm going to go for thirteen corners. Okay, eleven and thirteen. So Legends Games next week. So I'll be back in two weeks to give you the results. What happens if there's twelve corners? <laughs> <laughs> if there's twelve, I'll have to think about maybe a be a two-two draw. Sudden death. We'll have to go oh. sudden death. There we go. <laughs> Double or nothing the week after. Look, yeah, I'm just going to bask in the glory of my lead for now. Yeah, it might not last. You're going to be top for a week, guaranteed. <laughs> top for a week. Great stuff, Liam. Thank you very much indeed. Adrian, of course, will be back in the chair alongside Perry Groves from 2:30 p.m. That's this coming Saturday for all the build-up on Arsenal.com and also on the Arsenal mobile app to that aforementioned Watford game. And if you've got a question for Liam. Any suggestions, of course, for our competition, our prediction game, or indeed just a question for the chalkboard in general, the hashtag is Arsenal Weekly. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks as ever to Olivier Giroud, to Michael McMullen and to Adrian Clark. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star review in the process. Then you'll never miss another episode. You can also now find us on Acast. We're back on Monday, the 29th of August, Bank Holiday Monday. Until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you got us. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.